hands off to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Blue hole! He's at the 30! He's gonna go! 10, 5, touchdown! Jonathan Taylor! Made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Painter. No one-handed INT! Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore! What a play by Naheem Hines! What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another Bring the Juice Colts podcast live stream. Hope you guys are enjoying your Thursdays. Thank you so much for coming in. Today, we have a very special guest. If you guys don't know who this man is, then I honestly have no idea what you're doing following Colts Nation. Kevin Bowen is here joining me today. Kevin, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Derek. Thanks for having me on, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. You know, just enjoying this beautiful weather that we're having. I mean, you know, the wind and the rain and the 50 degree weather, it feels like spring, doesn't it? Gosh, balmy here. Yeah, I was going to say, luckily Carson Wentz is from North Dakota because I don't think his uh, first impression or I guess (laughs) his first in-building impression at West 56 would have been too great with this weather. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, guys, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Hopefully, you guys can see everything good. Uh, Like I said in the uh, description down here, if you guys have a question, be sure to ask it. We may be able to get to it uh, here later on. Got a couple questions for Kevin, and we'll uh, just keep going through. I mean, a lot happened today, um, and obviously, you got to see it firsthand, the pressers that were today. Uh, with uh, owner Jim Ursay and the Colts' new quarterback, Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, basically, first thing I'll, I'll ask you is, what's the biggest thing you took away from the Wentz presser? Yeah, I, I would say the the takeaway I had is just how much you can see him and Frank Reich align in so many ways. You know, when you hear the reports from Philadelphia about Carson Wentz last year uh, and just him as a teammate, this is not like this is some malicious human being, you know, some some just whatever, super negative, super angry guy. Um, I just think he's pretty unique in an NFL locker room. And I think him and Frank Reich uh, and Carson mentioned this on several times today that they first, you know, align from a moral standpoint. And then I think from a football mind, you know, both of them are probably in the one percentiles in their knowledge um, offensively and just in general from a football IQ standpoint. So that was probably my, my big takeaway um, from him. I, I thought he handled, you know, the constant questions pretty well. You know, he knew full well what he was walking into. And um, I thought he did a nice job there. Again, seems like a really nice guy and all of that. Um, and ultimately, you know, it's just going to come down to actions. And he's going to have to prove himself, you know, obviously within the locker room, certainly on the field as well. And then when adversity inevitably hits, um, you're going to have to be able to, you know, fight through that and show that you are a leader for this team and and that um, you're 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 in the foxhole, if you will, through mm-hmm. uh, through thick and thin. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when they were talking with uh, Wentz this afternoon, I mean, the constant thing I kept hearing every other sentence was, you know, that he's excited for the new opportunity and especially to you know, be able to do that with his old coach, Frank Reich. I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, it it seemed, 
it seemed, I don't necessarily want to think it was forced. I don't know if that's just, that might have been the phrase that he was telling himself to constantly remind himself to say if he ever got into a tricky situation in there. Cause I heard that so many times, like, you know, I'm just not going to get into much detail about what happened right. in Philly. And it, it's just, I'm excited for the new opportunity. I mean, what, why do you think that was? I mean, honestly, he helped, he, was very professional about it and wasn't uh, stuttering at all. I mean, he seemed like he was at peace with it, but you know, why did, why do you think he felt like he had to keep saying that he didn't want to get into any info and he's just ready to take on this new step in life? Yeah. I mean, part of that is probably a little PR coach speak, you know, there's no need to guy, I guess rehash, you know, tons and tons of details from Philadelphia. Um, and again, I think he knew these questions were going to continue to come up and I do think he's legitimately excited. I mean, whether Carson Wentz wants to say it or not, I mean, he pretty much demanded a trade. You know, demand, I know, is a very aggressive word. Right. But clearly, um, he, he wanted out of Philadelphia, and he wanted to be here in Indy. And mm -hmm. I think he's very grateful and very humble by everything that transpired there. So I think that is what played into, you know, his his frequent comments about that today. But, again, ultimately, it's going to come down to actions, Derek. I mean, it, you know, Wentz said it himself of, you know, going out there to California, working with Michael Pittman, working with Desmond Patman. He talked about potentially, you know, going across the country and doing a little bit more of that stuff. And obviously we'll see what happens, you know, the rest of the whiteout group wise, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton being being atop that list um, and, and what the offseason is going to look like from an in-person spring session, OTA, all, all those things as well. So, um, yeah, again, he seemed, you know, I thought he handled everything pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of concerns that everybody had with, you know, the uh, teammate chemistry and being a bad teammate, you know, I think that kind of uh, brushed away pretty quickly and especially over the number uh, beef that they were having between him and Pittman, you know, him be working out with Pittman already. I think a lot that kind of argument's already gone away. But um, just in your personal opinion, I mean, how – how effective do you think Carson Wentz can be being back in the system with Frank Reich, who he obviously knows and Reich knows how to really get him to play the best of his abilities. How do you personally think he's going to do this season? Yeah, I, I think he can get back to being that guy we saw 2018, 2019. Um, now, having said that, I, I think it's really important for the Colts to continue to support him. And I thought Marlon Mack and that resigning was, um, was a good step in the right direction from a run game standpoint. As we sit here right now, you know, who knows who the left tackle is going to be. you got to think it's not going to be an upgrade. I mean, that that kind of be a slap in the face on Anthony Costanzo. So that is a question that you have. And then, you know, wide out position, again, we'll see how that plays out. You know, I, I still think there's a good chance T.Y. returns. Um, and then it's really just a lot of second-tier wideouts that are still out there. I don't see a Kenny Galladay or a Juju Smith-Schuster and – you know, we just saw Will Fuller and, and Curtis Samuel come off the board, you know, two more kind of speedster guys. But uh -huh. um, and then tight end, you know, that was a position that Jim Mercer mentioned today, um, just kind of that dynamic playmaker. And, and uh, you know, wh wh where where that tight end come from? It just it, it's not a great group left. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't call Zach Ertz a dynamic tight end anymore. I think he's a fine player, but I don't think he's at that level either. So, um. So those, those will kind of be some interesting things. But, again, I, I think fundamentally if you can get Wentz back on track, that'll be huge. And I just think the respect and the trust he has in Frank Reich 
um, is big as well. But again, you got to get a little bit more at wide out or tight end and or tight end. And then obviously your left tackle from day one has to come in here and, uh, and be a linchpin. I talked a little bit about that, uh, that Jersey confrontation that they had. And I was, I rewatched the presser on YouTube and I was waiting to see how long it would take for somebody to ask about that Jersey, because I know Colts fans have been asking that from the very beginning, like what Jersey is he going to have? I mean, what's it going to do? I mean, any, uh, any personal thoughts on him choosing two? I mean, you know, I'm sure it's not significant for everyone, but you know, I, he had some fun with announcing that he had number two, though. Yeah, he he did. You know, I'm not a huge you know, number jersey guy. I fully understand why why fans have some interest in it. Uh, but yeah, he pretty much said today of you know, he wore 20 in high school, and mm. then uh, you know, he wore 11 in Philly, and kind of always felt like two was a number that he liked. Um, North Dakota State, I believe two was already taken by the time he got there. So that's why he settled on 11 and then wore 11 with um, with Philly, of course. So, uh, yeah, it, that was completely overblown. The whole Michael Pittman, yeah. whatever you want to call it, um, could not have been more overblown at all. And, uh, you know, good to see those guys getting in some early work. Yeah, absolutely. Let me see if I got some questions here. Uh, let me see here. Don't worry, guys. We'll talk about free agency here soon. Kind of talking more about the pressers to start. Uh, let me see here. Mm-hmm. You guys and Juju Smith-Schuster. You you all come in here every time and keep t- asking me about him. I tell you all the time, I don't want him. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, where was it? I saw it here. Uh, with Mac coming back, how much time will Jordan Wilkins uh, get? I mean, Kevin, you want to answer that one? Yeah, I mean, if everybody's healthy, Jordan Wilkins isn't going to play. Um, right. I, I know that might sound harsh, but it's just the reality of where you're at as a running back group. But it's the deepest running back you know, room, I think, in the league. Um, yeah. I thought it was very wise to bring back Marlon Mack for, for, for both parties, um, to be honest with you. So I look at it as Jonathan Taylor deserves to be your bell cow. And by that, I mean – you know, I think he's 20 carry a game type of guy. And mm-hmm. I think you can still have Hans in that kind of carved out role, certainly. And then, um, you know, Mac, I don't know, a handful of carries, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor showed last season that he deserves to be the lead back. And, um, yeah, I, I, unless you get injuries, I don't think Jordan Wilkins is, is seeing the field much. Devin Church with a $5 super chat. Thank you. Uh, no juju, please. Yeah, I got you, Devin. Hey, my friend Nick's in here as well with a $5 super chat. Thank you. He's a Dallas Cowboys fan, so we'll just ignore him. Uh, it's okay. He he's he's just like the rest of them, so it's okay. But um, yeah, so you know, when Mac got brought back, I mean, I thought that was uh especially for the deal that they got him, I thought that was that was really smart, you know, to have mm-hmm. to have your entire running back group right now be under worth less than $10 million altogether for the three of them. I'd argue that this might be the best running back group in the league. When you look at proven talent and what they're able to do as a whole. I mean, I think Reich said that uh, he has the right idea that Jonathan Taylor needs to be the number one uh, needs to be the number one guy. Cause he's shown it last year and you know how they split the carries with, Mac and Hines. I'm not 100% sure how they'll do that, but um, 
you know, it, it, that's up to Coach Reich. That's not up to me. So thankfully he gets to make that decision. But I mean, how how do you feel personally amongst this group right here? Do you think it's like one of the best in the league right now? Yeah, I, I do. And, I, you know, I don't know, like you could probably make the argument that Cleveland a little bit more mm. proven, you know, at the top of that running back depth chart. But I think what you like about the Colts is the fact that they've got some variety in skill sets. Um, you know, Hines, of course, being a huge, huge part of that as well. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I think, showed this year that, you know, when he does make some plays in the open field, you know, via screen or things like that. I know he had a couple drops in the playoff loss, but um, again, he, he is a guy that um, can certainly make things happen. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's vital to keep that group together because like I was saying earlier, Derek, I mean, you know, if, if you probably aren't going to have an upgrade at left tackle, like I think we all can acknowledge that. So if your O-line has to take a slight step back, you need to rely on that running back group to be able to, you know, be a little bit more dynamic, maybe create a little bit more on their own, things like that. And, and we know that, you know, Philly's had some decent rushing teams, not great like individuals necessarily, mm -hmm. um, but I think that'll be big just to alleviate a little bit of what's on uh, Carson's plate. Absolutely. Cody's in the chat here as well. Hey, Kevin, appreciate you for coming on, man. Been taking a hiatus from Twitter and the podcast for a little bit. Hope you and your family are well. Hey, what's up, Cody? How you doing, uh, man? Marco Martinez with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Marco. Uh, who fills the linebacker hole if Walker leaves? Yeah, that was the uh, big news today that he was possibly he, uh, had a meeting with the Browns. I talked to my friend who's a Browns fan, and I, I told him, you know, how great of a player he is, especially in the run game. He said that's exactly what the Browns need. And the Browns honestly are just filling every defensive hole they have. So it makes sense that he would probably go there. I mean, yeah, who does fill that role? I mean, we, we've seen that this last season, Okariki's taking a lot of the snaps away from Walker. But, you know, there are still some times when the Colts will run a 4-3. So who does take the rest of those snaps? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I don't have a definite answer for you. I mean, obviously, like you were mentioning, Derek, late in the year, Bobby Okariki seriously outsnapped um, Anthony Walker. So the writing was kind of on the wall here. Uh, but when you do go to the three linebacker, you know, personnel groupings and you play a team like Tennessee and, and Derek Henry and that bunch, you know, obviously it is something that you want to make sure that you do have a third linebacker you feel comfortable with. Part of me thinks on a rundown standpoint, Zaire Franklin would be that guy, or maybe even Matthew Adams would be that guy um, mm -hmm. as they play. I think they're in contract years, both of them. Um, and then EJ Speed has always been a really intriguing name to me. Uh, now he's a very similar skill set to Okariki and Leonard, so maybe he's not kind of the rundown thumper uh -huh. that, that that you would want in that sense. Um, but I, I think, you know, he's – okay, it's year three for him now. Um, he made a couple nice plays on special teams last year. I think mm -hmm. he's always a, always a name to watch. He was a fifth-round pick. It's not like he was some seventh-rounder kind of throwaway. So there is that skill set there. Yeah, absolutely. I think Cody and I have been constantly saying that we think uh, EJ Speed should fill that role because – He's there. He's just like Okariki and Leonard, just long and fast. Yeah. Seth Harmeyer with the $5 super chat as well. Kyle Fuller. Yeah, we're going to talk about him a little bit. Apparently interested. Uh, Jeremiah Atachu need one more receiving threat. Not interested in re-signing Trey Burton. We'll get into that one a little bit, Chris or uh, Seth, but thank you. 
Um, let's get into the uh, Jim Ursay uh, presser here a little bit. Uh, first question I want to ask is how how enthusiastic did Jim sound with talking about Carson and his ability to help take this team to where they wanted to go, which ultimately is the Super Bowl. You know, it, it's funny, Derek. I I almost texted my media colleagues before the call starts and said, "How early will Jim Irsay utter the phrase?" I cannot be more excited because he uses that in literally every press conference um, that he has, especially during the off season. <laughs> but I will say, I, I felt like he was extra bullish on Carson Wentz today. Um, you know, I thought he gave great detail on just some of the conversations they had and. And the homework and, you know, had they had to dig, they had to ask questions about why is he available and what's the risk level and those sorts of things. But, you know, he talked about the golden era. I mean, he talked about Frank Wright and Chris Ballard in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it was a little bit more, you know, crazy talk than we're used to from from Jim Irsay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he is he's huge, huge, huge on Carson Wentz. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no mincing words there. And um, I think it's a lot of belief in Frank Reich, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's Chris Bauer as well. You know, I I think in a way you're kind of betting on Frank Reich here with this move. Um, But, yeah, that was probably something that stood out to me. You know, he pretty much, you know, kind of pointed towards a draft for left tackle. I think we kind of know that. But, again, to hear it from the owner is a little bit different. Um, You know, he mentioned still bringing back T.Y. Hilton. You know, when he talked about the needs – he, he never really mentioned edge rusher, which again, I would strongly disagree with that. Right. I feel like that is a massive need that um, should have been addressed on the early days of free agency, but he really talked about tackle and cornerback and then another dynamic playmaker in the pass catching department. Uh, mm-hmm. Those were kind of the, the, uh, the needs that he threw out there. Yeah. I mean, the left tackle position thing is really fluid right now. I mean, we saw what, uh, I mean, I was looking, I, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday morning, like at 5.30 in the morning, that Trent Williams deal came out. And, you know, that was a name that a lot of people have constantly kept saying throughout Colts Nation. And when, when you look at what that contract was, I mean, holy cow, that thing is ginormous. I mean, it's hilarious that they gave that man a, a six-year contract. But, uh <laughs> I mean, but I heard it's like structured into two deals. There's a three-year contract for the first part of it where he gets the majority of the money to where if they want to restructure the deal, the second part of it, then they can restructure how they want to do it. So I get that. But like $23 million a year for a guy that's 33, he's going to be 39 by the end of that contract. That is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't take like a deep look at it, so I don't know what the guarantees are, how they're split up. I mean, obviously, he's one of the best left tackles in the league, arguably right. the best left tackle in the league. And, um, you know, San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, you know, getting back to running the football and taking off support for whoever their quarterback or taking off some of the pressure for their quarterback is a must there. And, you know, I, I, I think we all know full well once uh, Quentin Nelson – uh, you know, they decide to give him that extension. I think he'll be uh knocking Trent Williams off since, that line. Uh, high, yeah, since you want to, since you mentioned Quentin Nelson, I mean, who, how much do you think he's gonna get now that we saw Trent Williams see what he gets? I mean, how much so are Williams we thinking? Was what, was it, it was a it was a six year one hundred and thirty eight million. I mean, Joe Thune, who plays the same position, got a five year eighty million dollar 
deal. So, I mean, I would have to imagine it's got to be bigger than that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Nelson will get the biggest in NFL history for an offensive lineman. I, I, I mean, I know he plays guard, but I mean, he's a three-time All-Pro. And listen to Jim Merce talk about him. I mean, Jim Merce just gushes about him like none other. But again, this is – and Jim got a lot of these questions today. I feel like we're in this kind of misconception of like the Colts can't use their cap space because they have extensions. That's not true. I mean, mm-hmm. Nelson, you don't need to extend him right. this year. Or even next year, you know, you have the fifth-year rookie option on him. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get greedy, you could franchise tag him. Now, again, that's not something the Colts really have done. Do very often, and, yeah. and yeah, Nelson is deserving of an extension. But you know, Braden Smith and Darius Leonard, those are the two extensions, quote unquote, that are deserving, should get done. Those things, but still, um, even with those moves, the Colts would have and do have enough money to make a notable move or two, they're just choosing not to so far. Yeah. Um, I was going to say here, here we got Seth Armar beers with Bowen. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's Seth. not what this is, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have one in April, Seth. <laughs> there we go. Oh man. Yeah. That those, those contracts are insane, man. I mean, you're right. It, uh, Nelson's going to get something crazy and yeah. Braden Smith and Darius Leonard most likely are going to, take that out uh this this uh off season I would guess. Um you got any any news on TY Hilton man because I'm I'm stumped here. You know, I keep hearing you know it's like I I only hear it from the national media. I'm not getting a good sense of like is there mutual connections here? I'm not sure. Yeah, I again I I think there's a good chance that TY Hilton comes back. Um you know, the wide receiver market, in a way, has been a bit slow to get going. I mean, you still have Galladay and Smith-Schuster, you know, two pretty big names that still have to get deals. And I think Hilton probably – he probably expected a bigger market for him. I, I never thought he'd get a, a massive market. I thought the wideout depth was was there. Um, and and it just he, – he wouldn't have this massive market for him. So, I think the Colts are letting him know that, okay, here's your offer. Um, go see what's out there. but. You know, this is what it's going to be if you want to come back. So um, I, I'm not stunned. It's taken a few days, things like that. Um, again, at, at the end of the day, unless, you know, we got teams that want Smith-Schuster or want Galladay and they really just strike out, I think um, Hilton, you know, will be back. Well, I mean, you mentioned the edge class and we kind of said how the uh, the top tier guys are pretty much all gone at this point. Um I mean, what what would you do personally if you were the Colts uh, at edge now? I mean, what do you think they should do? Yeah, it's it, it's not a great group. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me. What is it? Melvin Ingram, Jadavian Clowney, Ryan yeah, Kerrigan. Yeah, which two I mean, guys that I really don't want. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it's just – I think it was a big missed opportunity by the Colts, you know, earlier this week not to do something there. You know, I guess you could bring back Justin Houston. Um, and then you get to the draft and – you know, there are some edge rushers there, certainly. But, you know, I think you got to be honest of, you know, the Colts have struggled, you know, to draft edge rushers. And then also you got to think about it like relying on the edge rusher to come in here and give you an instant day one impact. Boy, I mean, that's, you know, that's high expectations um, for anybody, yeah. let alone, you know, potentially a second round pick if you draft a tackle, you know, in, in the first round. So, um 
Yeah, I, I, I don't have great answers there. We'll, we'll, we'll see if somebody gets gets cut. You know, I, you know, Houston, of course, has produced for you. Um, I thought he started to show a bit of his age this past season. I think he admitted that. You know, he, if if you look at the inconsistency he had, um, you know, he again self admitted really that he kind of struggled at times this past season. So, um, yeah, it's just it just a missed opportunity in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I gotta I gotta run through this because I I'm normally an optimist, okay? I really like to be optimistic and like you and I were talking about before we came on here, that I have a good feeling that Ballard's gonna figure something out to do this. It's just that we've we've heard nothing. We've heard nothing, and now all of a sudden we've lost an Watry and we heard that that didn't go down as smoothly as we thought it would. And so now, and I can't confirm nor deny, but from what people keep telling me is that Justin Houston may not be back either. I don't know, but I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Ballard would go into this season with no defensive end that has proven anything yet. And, and expect this defense to continue to get better. I mean, Ballard is the one that preaches all the time defensive line depth and finding the right guys that fit into the system. And I'll be honest, at the 23rd pick, or the, yeah, the 23rd pick, I don't, I don't know if I agree that there is a first-round edge guy in this draft that speaks to me that says, Oh yeah, we get that guy. Our defensive line's elite. I just don't see one. I don't know if you do. I mean, you could have a different opinion on it, but I don't see anybody that screams to me. We get that guy, and our defensive line problems fixed. I don't see it. No, and again, I think it's really unrealistic to expect that in year one, as well. Um, I just think edge rusher helps you kind of cover up some problems elsewhere on the defense. You know, corner, if you don't address that, and it is big of a manner as well. Um, yes, Cody, I know it's 21. I realized it as soon as I said it, all right? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are some uh, there are some pass rushers that have some intriguing traits, but still, you know, year in and year out, you see first-round edge rushers get drafted. They don't necessarily come in here and set the world on fire. So this just kind of adds to what we've been talking about, Derek, about um, – I look at roster building and I look at free agency as there isn't an avenue to, um, you know, bolster your roster, provide, you know, even better than kind of supplemental pieces um, on your roster. And something I talked about today on, uh, on my podcast, you know, when you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Buffalo, you look at Green Bay, even Kansas City, these teams that were in the you know final four, you know, they're edge rushers, they're pass rushers a lot of them came via free agency or trades. So I, I, it's just putting all your eggs in the draft basket is difficult. And it's also difficult when you only have two picks in the first three rounds and you have that need at left tackle as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think another thing that has just made a lot of Colts nation, including myself, just angry is not only the lack of getting anyone but, I mean, when you're looking at some of the deals that these guys are going for, right? I mean, we saw Hassan Reddick, who just came off a 12-sack season, was one of the best sack uh, artists in the se- of all the season last year. 
and he gets a one-year contract with $8 million. And then, you know, we look at some of the wide receivers. A couple guys aren't even getting paid more than six, seven million. And, you know, Curtis Samuel went for 10 and a half. Uh, and then, you know, the top guys like Corey Davis went for 12 and a half. And, you know, Kenny Galladay is not even signed yet. I mean, everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, it's the Giants. It's the, it's the Bengals that are calling, whatever. But like, you know, I'm seeing all these numbers and it's just, we really odd to me that there's not been one of these guys that has spilled. Oh yeah. That would be a steal to get at eight, $9 million. You know, like that would barely put a debt in our cap problem. And yeah, it just doesn't seem like the Colts are interested in any of them. I don't, I don't know what's going on with those, but it just irks me to see all these top tier guys get these low ball contracts and just know that the Colts didn't really go for it. Yeah, I think that's another great point you make, Derek, is the fact that there aren't these just crazy eye-popping, you know, A-money-for-C-player type contracts that you typically see in a free agency, particularly at edge rusher. Um, So, again, the fact that we haven't really seen that, or at least we haven't seen that across the board, that I think, you know, adds to your frustration as well. So, I thought coming in free agency, I get Chris Bowers' approach. I understand his philosophy. I know he's not going to be some crazy spender, but I also thought year five of this, you have the opportunity to take care of a significant need because, again, you only have those two premium draft picks. I think you're only drafting twice in the first hundred-some picks, and Mm -hmm. you still need a left tackle as well. Um, So I think that kind of adds to some of the reasoning why you felt like the opportunity was there, and um, they decided to sit that out. Yeah, I mean, and hey, guys, we got 175 people in here and only 51 likes on the stream. Come on, guys. I need to see this get to 100. All right, come on. We need some help here. We got a special guest, Kevin Bowen, on here, and all I can get is 51 likes. Come on, guys. Help me out here a little bit. All right. Um. So l- let me ask. I mean, outside of Colts uh, Nation here for a second, has there been any moves in free agency that has kind of shocked you in a way? Something you didn't expect or anything? Well, obviously the volume of what New England has done. Um, yeah, tell me about you know, it. And you know, I was saying, talking to somebody earlier, I mean, no team has drafted worse in the NFL over the last five years than the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they have had horrific draft picks, and that's why they have this cap space. They don't need to re-sign anybody. And, uh, you know, certainly they've made quite a few moves there. You know, Belichick clearly pushing all the chips into the middle of the table for this last stretch of his career. So that stood out to me. I mean, obviously the Bud Dupree signing in Tennessee, you know, that that definitely caught my eye. If he's healthy and can be a disruptive edge, you know, Tennessee has kind of lacked that. And we'll see how um, how he plays down there. Of course, Sonico Autry going there as well. But um, I would say the Bud Dupree signing, just being in, you know, you're in a division. You know, really, the AFC – has been a lot more active, I feel like, than the NFC um, so far here in free agency. Now, it's not across the board, but I do feel like that's been the case, which has been something that's um, that's uh, been interesting to see. I mean, I said I, I, I was messing with the Patriots on Twitter the other day. I was saying, you know, you can't you can't mess up in the draft if all you do is just spend your entire money on free agency. 
You know, I mean, you, you just do it that way. You can't mess up in the draft because, you know, you got your whole team through free agency. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. Just the sheer magnitude of picks that they're throwing all these monies, all this money out to, especially the two tight ends. I mean, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, they double right. dipped and, into the tight end group. I mean, it, Bill Belichick they doubled definitely last year in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, you're they right. I mean, two tight ends. In yeah. the third round, so um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. A lot you of know, can you like, imagine? <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, it's been um that that stood out to me certainly. Um, you know, I I'll be curious to see if for some reason the Bears do get Kenny Galladay. I mean, a Galladay Allen Robinson duo, boy. I mean, that's that can make Andy Dalton look pretty darn good, pretty pretty <laughs> quick. Um, now I think we're a long ways away from all of that happening, but, um, I just think those are some things to, uh, that have, that have kind of caught my eye and, and you know, we'll, we'll see how like some of the stuff plays out now, Derek, because, you know, you and I talked about the Kyle Fuller stuff a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have some other cap casualty guys and, you know, we know that Chris Boward has really been active in that department. So, um, as of recording right now, again, the edge rush is disappointment. Uh, but we'll see how the rest of free agency now plays out. And, and really, we are in the second wave of free agency. I know right. we're only a day into the new league year, but what? I mean, 150-some guys have been signed already. Yeah. So, I mean, this is easily the second wave. Yeah, and, you know, there's still some still some decent names out there. I mean, you can still go and get some of these guys that can fill one or two of your needs, and then, you know, you can address it in the draft. It's just man, it just really does suck that, you know, we continue to wait. I just hope that whatever, whatever the uh, Ballard is planning, I just hope that whatever it is, it it needs to be something big. It needs to, I mean, Kyle Fuller to the Colts would not be a bad idea. I'm just saying I I would love to, you know, address the corner in, in the in free agency because I mean I don't think we're gonna get a, a chance at any of the top tier corners in the draft. Um, I think that all four of them will probably be drafted inside the first twenty picks. Uh, that's just me though. I don't know if Ballard thinks that that's different, but uh, I, I mean, you know, is there a, is there a corner in this draft class that you would say like you really want the Colts to go for? A name for me was J.C. Horn. I doubt he leaves the top 15, but I mean, that's a guy I would love. Yeah. I mean, certainly horn. I, I loved watching him this year. I actually watched a good amount of South Carolina. I mean, to be honest with you, Derek, I, I don't love drafting a corner again in the draft early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that you might be in that position, but, um, and I do think I am somewhat intrigued by Isaiah Rogers. I know he's a six round pick um, and Marvell tell coming back, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more of them. Um, you know, but corner-wise, I just felt like that was more of a free agency thing. And and that, again, comes back to um, the issues that I have just not making a move at edge rusher. I, I could not agree more with so much of what Chris Ballard does free agency-wise. I think it's a great approach to have. When you hit on some of the draft picks that he's hit on, it, it's 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 awesome. But mm-hmm. when you've missed, and you've missed at those these two positions that, that you're talking about, you've got to supplement that and you've got to make sure that you still have a defense that can play at a high level. Because when you played the better quarterbacks in the league last year, we saw what happened. This is, you know, it looked like a middle of the pack defense. So 
I think to make sure you're a January type of defense, that's where you get a little bit more of that edge pop. And that's where, um, you know, I felt like free agency offered that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when he got Danico Autry and Justin Houston, I mean, he held back for a couple days on those and, you know, those, those picks ended up being pretty good. I mean, Danico Autry did really well for those three seasons he was here and Justin Houston, ironically, even in his older age, you know, he had more, he had more sacks that year than everyone except Zadarius Smith, who was taken out of free agency in that edge class that year. So, you know, it's, it's something that he's definitely gotten. So I just don't know if he's just waiting, you know, maybe he could be uh, just waiting for something else, but um, let me just see here a couple more minutes here and then we can go ahead and uh, let's see here. Cody wants us to talk about uh, Neil and Fuller. Well, we kind of talked about Fuller already, but yeah, I heard a lot of talk about Neil uh, from the Falcons. Sounds like, you know, even if he doesn't play in the, uh, in the safety position per se, Heard a lot of talks about him potentially moving down, you know, playing that, um, what is it, the Sam linebacker position, just kind of an outside guy, but could also play in the box. I mean, does that intrigue you? It does. Um, you know, safety is not a big need, but I love Keanu Neal. I think he plays the game, you know, with reckless abandon, and you just love his physicality for not being a huge, huge safety. And, you know, you got to think back to when Chris Bauer took the job here. He mentioned that Atlanta defense and how they were built. Uh, that was when Atlanta, I think, had just gone to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Keanu Neal, you know, was a young, young piece. But, you know, I, I do think there's some some respect there. I'd be fascinated if you made that move, though. Like, what does that do to Julian Blackman and Kari Willis? Are you just playing three safeties a whole lot? It's not something the Colts really did at all last season. So, um, but I'm a big believer, and you got to give Matt Eberfuss a little bit more personnel-wise. Um, just make sure that, you know, he's got uh, just more ammo, different stuff you can go to, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's 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 key for sure. All right. Well, listen, guys, I think we're probably going to start calling this stream uh, an end here. I want to appreciate the near 200 people that showed up into the stream today. Really appreciate everyone. And obviously, we appreciate Kevin for taking the time to be here. Kevin, I just got one final thing for you of the 200 people that are in here listening right now, and they're trying to find some words of hope, some words of wisdom per se. (laughs) What, what can you tell this group? Like what message can you send to people that are looking for some kind of hope from Ballard and this Colts team for the rest of free agency in the draft? What message do you have for all these people to say everything's going to be okay? Oh gosh, that's way too much pressure to put on me <laughs> right now, Derek. Uh, oh man, <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, like you know, I'm not in like by any means total panic freakout mode. You know, I can sit here and say that I felt like pass rusher should have been addressed more seriously, but I also can acknowledge this roster is still in really good shape. Um, you know, financially, of course, you're in great shape, and as long as you can, you know, hit on draft picks like you continue that, like you have in prior years you're going to moving forward, be in really, really good shape. Um, I, I just think that my disagreement again, just comes from the fact that you missed out on, on potential to get maybe some, some, some dudes. That's what I was kind of talking about earlier today mm-hmm. on the podcast. And now you're just, you know, kind of getting into the, just, just some guys in free agency. Um, so again, to me, it's not panic. 
Um, but I do think it's a missed opportunity. I know I saw someone mention earlier al Muhammad. Mohammed. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a name that I thought would be back. Um, he gives you some three-down presence. I really like the way he plays. You know, maybe he's seeing what the market is out there for him. But uh, he's a name that I definitely bring back. Because as you were talking about earlier, Derek, I mean, who are your defensive ends? Like, if you're going to go play tomorrow, I mean, it's Taekwon Lewis, I guess, on early downs. I mean, Kamoko mm-hmm. Ture, Ben Banigou. And look, this is March 18th. You know, we got plenty of time yeah. um, to go here. But it's just – it's a group that I feel like uh, right now has got to get at least two more names, notable names. Uh, is it a Justin Houston? Is it a Muhammad bringing him back? Do you do something in the draft as well? Uh, so it'll be fun to watch that play out over the next month and a half. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure, and I certainly can't wait for the draft rolls around. That's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Well, Kevin, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I know today was a really busy day for you, so I appreciate you being flexible and uh, being able to come on. It was it was a lot of fun. Same to you, Derek. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, shout out to Cody as well and everybody that tuned into this. And uh, have a great weekend, and uh, I have a feeling we'll have some news here uh, to get us all somewhat excited. Certainly hope so. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Leave a like on the video. And as always, go Colts.